Uh, I didn't plan this. In fact, I, I was surprised when I heard you were going to have the Lord's Supper. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, it fits right in. The Lord's Supper. Um, what's another name that you heard for the Lord's Supper? Can you think of one? Communion. 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 Uh, when, you, when you think of communion, I think of communion of the saints. It speaks of a, a oneness. When we draw around this table, uh, we are one in Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, most of you have been with me. We're talking about Jesus on his way to the cross. Uh, as he walked there, uh, he was headed for a time when he would die for our sins. He'd receive the judgment for our rebellion. And then three days later, of course, he'd rise victoriously. Amen? Victoriously. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not dead? Aren't you glad the tomb is empty? Uh, he would uh, then spend a little over a month with his disciples uh, as he prepared them for his uh, final departure. Then he would ascend up in heaven with the promise, he is coming back. He's coming back. There's a preacher years ago, an old preacher, who said, he's coming back, and I think Gabriel is wetting his lips right now. John said, even so come, Lord Jesus. So the church is left here until Jesus returns. And if you would allow me to this morning, I'd like to add a little postscript to all of that uh, with a simple yet very profound two words, and they should be on the screen now. What now? Or now what? Now what? Jesus is gone. He's back in heaven. Um, what now? Are we like the aircraft uh, pilot who brings the commercial aircraft into a crowded airport and the control tower says, you're not cleared for landing. Go in the holding pattern. And so if you've ever been there, you can spend a long time, particularly in Atlanta, in the holding pattern. And what you're actually doing, you may not be aware of, but just flying in circles until finally the tower says you are cleared to land. Is that where we are today? Is the church just in the holding pattern? Jesus has gone back to glory. He's promised he's going to return. And so we're just in the holding pattern until he until he returns or he calls us. Uh, is that all that we are to do? Well, for the past two weeks, we've seen that on the way to the cross, Jesus prayed especially for us, uniquely for us. If you are in Christ, if you're a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're mentioned in this prayer, not by name, but by person. You're mentioned here. Uh, but is that prayer, as wonderful as it is, is it just a, is it a warm, fuzzy moment that we are to experience while we wait? Is it to make us feel good, to know that we're loved until he returns? End of story. That, that's it. Absolutely not. The Luke, Dr. Luke uh, wrote his gospel, and then uh, uh, he decided to write a follow-up to his gospel. We call it Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Early Church. Listen to how he begins the Acts. Acts 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Did you notice how he began? He says, all that Jesus began to do. In the gospel, he began to do. In the Acts, he continues to do. What Luke is saying is, after Jesus arose from the grave and ascended back into heaven, not everything was finished. Not everything was finished. Now, be careful here. Redemption was finished. On the cross, he said, it is finished. My redemption is assured because Jesus paid it all. He, he took care of everything. There's nothing that I can add to it. There's nothing that I better uh, not try to add to it. It's Jesus' blood alone. That's our righteousness. But not everything was finished that God would do. Um, I, I, I'm saying that when Jesus went back to heaven, he left something else to be done here. Something for his church to do. But what he continues to do, he does through us. He's still working, but he's working through us. Jesus made this statement. Uh, there's not a Baptist here hasn't heard it, probably memorized it. Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In other words, I'm going back, you go forward. You go forth. Jesus has entered into communion with us. Jesus has entered into relationship with us. And, and that us is you and me. We are his church. And that relationship is a true partnership uh, in which he works through us to carry out the gospel work. So, before he left, he prayed for us that we would be fit for the task. Listen to me. We have a great task. It's not any easier. It's harder today. It'll get a whole lot harder. You can mark it down. But Jesus wants us to be fit for the task. So listen to this segment of his prayer. We pick up with verse 20 of John chapter 17. He says, I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Now, it doesn't take much to see the recurring theme in that segment of Jesus' prayer. Listen to it again. That they may all be, what does he say? All be one. One. All be one. That they may be one. That they may become perfectly one. 
By the way, that word perfectly is the translation of the Greek word, basically the same one Jesus said from the cross when he said, it is finished. It was complete. Uh, He had accomplished everything that he came to do. And now he says that we may be perfectly one, accomplishing our calling, doing everything that we've been called to do. Do you hear him? Jesus is praying for unity in his church that you, but but you can't have that unity without diversity. The very word unity speaks of diversity. You can't have unity unless there's more than one. And so uh, Jesus speaks of many suddenly being made one. Just two things that I want you to see in this, and they're as basic as you can get. The first is this. We're all different. We're different, yet we are the same. This morning, you're different. Say it with me. I'm different. And yet God says, you're the same. We're all different, and yet we are the same. Verses 20 and 21, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you are. Father, and I love this, Father, uh, are, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. In 1792, uh, our nation was halfway between the Declaration of Independence and the writing of the Constitution. The members of the Continental Congress decided that they they needed a coat of arms or a seal, something to represent the new nation. So after coming up with uh, several ideas, the project was turned over to the secretary, a man by the name of Charles Thompson, who designed the first national seal. For the next 100 years, it was modified until it became this what we recognize as the great seal of the United States of America. But with each revision, one thing didn't change, and that was the motto. On every version of the seal, the Latin words, E pluribus unum, out of many, one. In other words, all different, yet one. That's a description of our nation. That's the, our founders wanted that to stand out. We're all different. We're a nation of immigrants, different languages to begin with, different colors, different styles, different ages, and yet we're one. Who did Jesus pray for? Listen to him. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Listen, Jesus is praying for every believer of every age, all different, all unique, from different times, cultures, backgrounds, ages, with different looks, different experiences, Likes, dislikes, different gifts, talents, abilities, and he lifts them all up to the Father and says, make them one. Make them one in Christ. And then using himself as the pattern, Jesus prays that we will be one body in him. Not just sharing a single mission, though we do, 
We share a single mission, but even more than that, that we might be supernaturally linked together. Listen, folks, Baptists long ago started calling uh, men brother and, and the ladies sisters. Why on earth would you call brother and sister? There's some people who come into the Baptist church and feel very uncomfortable with that. I don't. You know, where I come from, when you have the same daddy, that makes you kin. Right? We have the same daddy. God has adopted us into his family. And, and we have such a unique relationship with him that God says we call him Abba. Which, by the way, means daddy. He's our dad. Brothers and sisters, one body. Sad to say, every year, do you realize, 4,000 churches in the United States close their doors. 4,000. My goodness. Divide that by uh, uh, 12 months or 365 days. There are a lot of churches biting the dust, closing their doors. But did you hear what Jesus said? He said, but also for those who will believe in me. I don't just pray for these, these 11 who are on the way to God. I pray for all who believe uh, in, in their name. You can write this down, folks. The church has always had a future. You can count on it. The church has a future. Even when it looked like the end was near, the church had a future. I mean, just think about it. When Jesus prayed this prayer, he was about to go through the most agonizing time a man has ever experienced. No man has ever experienced what Jesus experienced. Now, I'm not just talking about the cross and being crucified. There were a lot of people crucified on crosses. The Romans had worked it out to an art to make a man or a woman suffer the longest uh, period of time before they died. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about going through uh, 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 the agonizing time of being arrested and abused and flogged and crucified and becoming sin for us. He became our sin and then dying. Jesus is God. But he became sin for us in Christ Jesus. And and emotionally, how it pressed and waited upon him. His closest followers were about to desert him. Every one. They weren't weren't able. The the inner sanctum, those special three, Peter, uh, James, and and John, um, they... They couldn't, they couldn't pray for him for even one hour. He kept falling to sleep. And then after Jesus returned to heaven, the Jews began to persecute the church. They killed Stephen and they killed others. Saul of Tarsus, uh, the ringleader, long, along with that, for the first 200 years, uh, the church was persecuted by Rome. 
Christians were blamed for every bad thing that happened uh, in the in the kingdom. They were martyred by the cruelest of means, thrown to the lions, burned alive, uh, labeled as outlaws, as as criminals because they refused to worship the emperor. And it, and it continued through the centuries. Sometimes Christians, so-called, persecuting other Christians, so-called. And if that's not bad enough, the truths of our faith are often being rejected and denominations growing more and more liberal up to today when throughout the world Christians are again jailed, beaten, and martyred in China, in Russia, in India, and throughout the Muslim world. But let me tell you something, we're still here. We're still here. We're here this morning and, and we're singing his praises and we're sitting around the table remembering his death until he comes. Listen to me. Jesus has some sheep and those sheep will follow him. I don't even begin to comprehend that. That is way above my pay grade. I can't understand the ramifications of it, but I know it's true when I consider just uh, those in this room this morning, just us, the ones I can see in the front, yes, even in the choir, okay? When I consider us, yes, the one behind the pulpit, when I consider us, uh, and, and, and where we've come from, I, I mean, we're all different. We have different backgrounds. Which of us doesn't have something in our past we'd like to go back and erase? Something that the devil is continually dragging up and throwing in our face? Uh, and, and, and yet, God has called you together and now you're the Kimsville family. You're a family. Brothers and sisters in Christ who worship here and fellowship here. Like the disciples, Jesus came to us. We didn't go to him. In fact, some of you were far from him. The most unlikely candidates to be his followers. And yet you're here this morning. God's brought you here in church, singing the songs, listening to the preaching. And, and, and how did all that happen? It's nothing short of a miracle. It's a miracle. Like the disciples, we sometimes fail him. Like we said last week, we fail, but God keeps calling us back. Like David, uh, we're called back with a, a thirst, a desire. We pant like the deer for cool, quiet streams of, of spiritual water. Like John, we want to get close to him, as close as we can get. Like Peter, we're broken hearted when we disappoint him. And I can almost hear Jesus as he speaks to us in those quiet moments. Why son? Why daughter? I've, ne- I've never let you go. I never will. But neither will I let you get away with sin. I'm a loving father. And it's the loving father who disciplines Again, we look at America, and it appears that the church is losing the battle. It appears that way. We become so secularized, 
Will our children, I wonder sometimes, will our children's children even know about Jesus and his church? And the answer is yes, because Jesus said, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. I can tell you the church has, the church has always had a future. And until Jesus returns, there will be sheep out there whose names are already known from eternity past. They're all different. Some of the outcasts of society, the least likely to succeed, much less be saved. But he'll draw them together as he did us. His church is alive and will survive until he comes. Until he comes. And how will he do it? How will the church grow? How will it survive? Well, God doesn't change. The Lord is still gathering his church the same way, one at a time, one at a time. Paul put it this way. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And by the way, preaching there doesn't necessarily mean to stand behind a pulpit. It just means to share the truth. You may not have thought of yourself as a preacher, okay? But if you proclaim the gospel, you are one. How will they hear without a preacher? Church, the only thing we have worth sharing with the world is in this book. Now, we can relate to it. We can show how it works. We can show what God's done for us. But you don't have anything worthy of sharing with the the world other than what is in this book. Set it aside and you lose the very purpose, the power, and the presence of Christ in the church. It's ended. I think about the, the little boy years ago. They wouldn't let him in church because he wasn't the right color. They didn't want him in that church, sitting out on the curb crying. And so the story came. Jesus came by and says, son, why are you crying? He said, well, I want to go to church and they won't let me in there. He said, don't cry, son. They haven't let me in there in years. <laughs> you set the word of God aside and there is, there's nothing, there's nothing left. It's all that we have uh, worthy uh, to preach. To the world. So Jesus prayed for believers of all ages and asked that we might be one. And also notice what he prayed for. He says that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Those words reflect uh, our unique relationship with God, but let, watch this. They also reflect. Uh, His words show our unique relationship we have with one another. One another. A relationship in which we reflect the mysterious relationship Jesus has with his Father. Now let's just be realistic. When God the Son became flesh, it was hard to look at him and see God. I mean, can you you imagine... um, Jesus had brothers and sisters. He was the oldest. How would you like for Jesus to have been your brother and sister? 
Jude, why can't you be like your brother? James, why can't you be like Jesus? He had brothers, brothers and sisters. They looked at him and they thought he was crazy. You, know, you look at Jesus and it was hard to see God, but that's exactly who he says he is. Listen to him. Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is very God. I received a knock at the door. I opened the door and there are two women out there. They're nicely dressed. Obviously not extremely wealthy, but they're nicely dressed. And they have some pamphlets and I noticed they're called the Watchtower. And I know, I knew what they believed. They were trying to earn their salvation by telling people that there is no hell. Only 144,000 are going to heaven and that the Trinity is not in the Bible. But I've read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, you will see that hell is very real. And nobody ought to want to go there. By the way, you ever hear somebody say, you know, I'm going to hell because that's where all my friends are. There are no friends in hell. Gnashing of teeth. That doesn't mean pain. Gnashing of teeth means anger and disgust. There's a place called hell. Uh, But for a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you can try to identify that place. I don't care. It's where Jesus is. That's where I want to be. Okay? Doesn't matter to me. Let's not, let's not try to split hairs on, are you going to be on a glorified earth? Are you going to be in, uh, around the throne of celestial heaven? I don't care. It's where Jesus is. And he, he always prepares the best. Everything he does uh, is, the, is the very best. And I read it, and I find that there is one God in three persons, triunum, tri three, unum one, triunum, trinity. That's where that word comes from, three and one. How can it be? One God who exists in three persons. Is God one or three? And the answer is yes. Yes. They're exactly the same, only different. Okay? How can, how can you be both? Well, because we're talking about God. We're not talking about the man next door. We're not even talking about the man upstairs. We're talking about God who has always been and will always be before whom there was nothing and without whom there is nothing. We're talking about the one who is immortal, invisible, only wise, always loving, always just, never known unless he makes himself known, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at once, omniscient, knows everything, who is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, who dwells in light and in whom is no darkness at all. That's who we're talking about. How can you know him? How can you understand him? How can you comprehend him? Well, there's only one way. Listen to him and believe him. Listen to him and believe him. Now, why is all this so important? Because when Jesus prayed for what he wanted us to be, he made his own relationship with his father the pattern. That's the pattern. 
No, we can't fully understand it, but Jesus and his Father are unique yet the same. They exist in perfect harmony. The Son brings glory to the Father, and the Father gives glory to the Son. And Jesus prays for us, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We are to be of one heart, one mind, and dwell by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, was Jesus' prayer answered? All of his prayers are answered. Everything he asked of his Father. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he said, We are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Maintain the unity of the Spirit. Guard it. Care for it. Protect it. It exists. Church, you're one. Jesus said so. Jesus asked so. And it is so. The problem, however, is we allow the flesh to camouflage that unity so that the world sees us and not Jesus. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the world sees that although we're different, we are strangely alike. Different, yet unique. What did he tell them that night? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. One in Christ, all different, yet all the same. But very quickly now, follow me. The opposite is also true. We are the same, yet we're different. We're all in Christ if we've trusted Christ, but we're different. E pluribus unum, though many one, si idiom diversum, Though we are the same, we're different. What does he pray? Look again, verse 21. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Listen, church, if you are a true believer, if you are in Christ, that happened when you were born again. Listen to what John says. He came to his own, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but in, in, but a birth that comes from God. And now that you are in Christ, He is also in you. You're in Christ, and He's also in you. And that happened when you believed, because you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He enables us, Christ in us, enables us to live out God's plan for us. Now, where's that lead? Right now, where we are this day. Well, listen to him. That the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Folks, let me tell you something. God did not save you. Uh, just so that because you, to make you feel good 
or he didn't save you uh, because you were so important. No, Jesus saved you so that you could bring him glory. And right now, that means that the world will see him in you. Unique. The same, even though you're different. Different, and yet the same. You see, the fact is, you and I are no different than any other man or woman on this earth. The fact is, by the grace of, uh, of God, there go I. I can look at terrible things happening in the world, but I can tell you, but for the grace of God, that could be me. That could be me. I, I, I mean, we, we're, we are no different than, than them. Uh, we live in the same world. We experience the same problems. We suffer the same sicknesses, the same diseases. We know the same injustice. But the point is, our reactions are different. By the way, let me just say this. Your actions will never impress anybody. How you live is not going to, and that's not going to impress anybody. As a matter of fact, if you, if you don't live, if you call yourself a Christian and don't live like Jesus, the world will be the first to call you a hypocrite. It's not your actions that impress, it's your reactions. When you go through the same things they do, but you're different. You're like everyone else and then you're different. You live differently. You respond differently. We put on our clothes the same way. We fix our hair. We go to the same schools. We work at the same jobs. You don't deserve what you have in Christ. Paul wrote, no flesh may glory in his presence. In and of ourselves, we have nothing to glory in. But in this prayer, Jesus shows us he has shared his glory with us. He shared it with us. That makes us different. He did it. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. This morning we're one in Christ, but uniquely gifted to serve uniquely in his church. There's no one like you. You're unique. Uh, we're all different, but one in Christ. We're, we're like a human body. One body, but different parts operating together in love uh, to fulfill our purpose. And trust me, you need to correct one, one letter on the next note. The darker the world gets, the better the church shines. 4,000 churches closing a year. Denominations getting more and more liberal. Let me tell you, the darker that gets, the brighter you'll shine. Because when all is darkness, the only thing you can see is the light. God's calling us this morning. He's calling us to one purpose... One hope, one desire, one real occupation to share the same love of Christ that he has shared with us. That's what he's called us to do. That's what Jesus prayed for. And that's what he commands. Church, God loves you. And God's got a plan for you. Would you bow your heads, please?
Holy Father, I pray that uh, as Jesus prayed for us, so we would willingly live. He prayed for our unity, that we would have a relationship with one another just like you have with your Father. Forgive us when we let the flesh get in the way and cover up what we really are. I thank you for the fellowship known as Kempsville Baptist Church. I thank you that the love for the love that's here. And I pray that all during the week that these very ones who are here this morning would go out and the world would see the difference. That we'd actually be able to thank you for the difficulties because they allow the world to see you in us. Have your will in us, I pray. For Jesus' sake, amen.